<laughs> a lot of pressure, man. Yeah, it is. Evil. And evil. Not our real names. Nailed it. happening there's small talk before the news broadcast we're like (laughs) are we rolling yeah we're rolling um in in the news broadcast you'd be tightening your things and looking at the camera hi i'm taking a selfie right now hi well welcome everybody i hope you like that real hot stuff at the top (laughs) welcome to a little a little independent a little hot independent podcast where two friends talk about independent movies obscure movies or just plain weird movies my name is ryan and i'm todd hi todd Hi, Ryan. Hi, Todd. A celebration of... A celebration. Independent film. Of independent film. That's what we're doing. Um, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. good. Getting getting, getting ready to get my for this? groove on here. Getting right. ready. Getting the pocket. Lock well, in with the drummer. We've, you know, we've, we've done a few of these, and, and uh, we get to as much as I think we try to get to in the movies. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to do a little take back from the last episode. We did a movie called Exam. And afterwards, you mentioned something I think we missed kind of big that we should just kind of bookend. Okay. And it's it's cool because you always get home and you're like, oh. What you it could have, but this is kind of a big one. I found I something cool to this. read. I should have said that. Um, so just really quickly, the last episode, we did a movie called Exam. It's eight people in a room. They are uh, trying to get some kind of job. It's a job interview. but There seems to be no discernible question. There's a piece of paper with nothing on it. And it's a sociological experiment that devolves from there. What would you do? And, and it, it's to get this, like, the ultimate it job. Goes, it goes, it, it descends into chaos. People start to work together, then they don't trust each other. And ultimately, uh, one applicant figures out the question and gets the job. And, and the answer. And the answer. So that's kind of a fun thing about that episode in that movie is it's kind of a twist ending. What is the question? What's the point? But um, and it was clear that the person who who got the question right or, or understood it had some help. So I found out this is a description from, I think, the director about the end where the invigilator. Here we go. <laughs> what the hell is that? The invigilator mean? is the guy administering the test. He enters the room and reveals that one of the characters who was taking the test is actually the CEO of the company and a scientist whose research has found a cure for a virus and also discovered a method of rapid cell regeneration capable of curing both the virus and is the gift of life for millions of people. And they're in a pandemic. And and that's revealed, but... um, So one of the characters is shot by a bullet. He miraculously miraculously lives, and it says that the bullet that hit him contained the cure, and that's why he was revived. Yeah, it had the pill in it. Yep. And... With the desperate need for the drug and a limited supply, the company needed an administer, which is the job, capable of making tough decisions with an attention to detail while showing compassion. Miss Blondie, all compassion. All traits that Miss Blonde displayed during the exam, and she takes the job. So I I think, you know, that's a big miss that, or we didn't, maybe it was a time issue, but. Yeah, it was in our, I think both of our notes, you know, we were, you know. At least I had a blind. I, and maybe that's a fault of the movie because I was so focused on that twist. What was the question? Yeah. And I didn't think of anything else. 
Well, looking at my notes, it says Blonde Compassion, which I think is a complete different movie. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, that is. Did so, Andy yeah. Sedaris, was that an un, uh, <laughs> unfinished Sedaris script? The first three Donna Terrans. Oh, gosh. Andy, I, I watched a little bit of Hard Hunting today, just FYI. The, the, the music in the beginning. Oh, so good. So um, that was the last episode. And, and what's funny is we, we're doing this podcast and we're watching – um, these independent films. I got. What's the last just totally bonkers, stupid, silly movie you watched? Because uh, I know you take this stuff seriously. What was the last just like bullshit movie you watched to yeah, just turn your brain off? Yeah, um, it was on Netflix, and it was the not comedy, a sponsor of this show. The, com- <laughs> the comedy with that guy and girl. Uh, something to do with alien. Uh, lose your lo- what? Okay, we've established it's a comedy. Yes, there's a guy and girl in it. Yes, and aliens. Yes. E.T.? They don't phone home. They don't? Okay. Shit. I can't think of the name of it. Right. But it was just like stupid, not no thinking comedy. So how did it, how did that, did that go down smooth? It was, it was entertaining. And then the end, I was like, oh, that was kind of an abrupt, let's get it over with end. Uh-oh. But, you know, you always okay. got to have a good ending. I, uh, I recently watched Superman 3. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you. That's right, a great movie. Right between Triple X, Xander K. <laughs> most of what I watch are, are bullshit, silly movies. But I I think that was one that I kind of like the James Bond movie, A View to a Kill. It was on cable when I was in the right years, and I watched it all the time. Yeah. Superman 3 was the same movie. So it's it's. I, and I, I love it from my youth. Yeah. And I didn't understand what a coup it was to have Richard Pryor in that movie. <laughs> and and it it works. I mean, when he pretends to be the general and gives him the he's doing the ah, Superman saved our Buster Browns or whatever, it's legitimately funny. I mean, there's some corn in it, but and some cheese, but I don't know. It it held up, but still very silly. I wish I really wish I could share lines with you on that one, but I I don't have it. Uh, Super, my favorite line, Superman three. I don't is uh, he 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 flies up to a bimbo lady who's sitting on the. Uh, Statue of Liberty, and he's like grown a beard because he's been infected with kryptonite, and he's bad because <laughs> Richard Pryor put tar in it because there's an unknown element. Anyway, he says, "I hope you don't expect me to save you. I don't do that anymore." That's great, and it's probably the the creepiest line ever because he's like, "I'm not here for you're, saving. You're screwed, lady. Uh, how did you get up here?" She's on the outside of the Statue of Liberty in a Marilyn Monroe dress, and it's just a bananas moment because he's never been so predatory (laughs) and he ultimately i think meets her for champagne and bedtime so well you can't get up to the top right inside you go she's on the outside she is on the head of the it's she went right through the eyeball it's not right climbed on the outside she wasn't equipped for it so here we are (laughs) uh with another episode and this is todd's it's my turn todd's pick so talk to us uh about todd's pick oh man well Skin of the Wolf, 2017 on Netflix. Why is it an independent? It was in the Miami Film Festival. Uh, don't know if Netflix bought it at the Miami Film Festival or if a distributor bought it there and then got it picked up by Netflix. I found that it showed at uh, at the Sevilla European Film Festival as well. Okay. Did you find that? No, no. I just got the Miami International. That that was in that was on the poster, and I had to zoom in to read it. In the Sevilla this, this brilliant. European Film Festival, it seems to be a, a celebration of European film. 
Yeah. I, I don't know where it's so, held. I couldn't find so that. So you, you zoomed in on the movie poster that you found online yeah. and got that info. Yes, I that did. That is awesome. Well, it's important. Yeah. I yeah. only watched the movie four times in preparation. This so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I typically, with the film descriptions, I, I go with IMDb. Okay. But I, I have I, I have kind of a two-parter. So this is the IMDb film description for Skin of the Wolf. A Highlander that lives alone in the mountains buys a wife to relie- relieve his loneliness. Now, that's on IMDb. Now, yeah, yeah that, that was kind of wrong. like a, a Highlander? Shortcut. Yeah, yeah, I got a different I didn't see him. Christopher Lambert in it. I didn't see, you know, Sean Connery. I didn't see a ponytail. No swords. So that's interesting. And, and the reason I pulled another description was because that one, I think, was so wildly yeah. inaccurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's too short. It, it doesn't really give you much. But the accurate. Netflix one, I think, is problematic, too. It's closer. But Netflix uh, film description is thus. An animal trapper living in an abandoned mountain town in northern Spain seeks to resolve his loneliness by securing a wife. Okay. So everything I don't up think that's till, accurate either. Everything up till seeks... Is, uh, yeah. is spot on. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because that just struck me when I, you know, we're going to get into the wolf, so we're going to get into the skinning, we're going to get into the, the mouth sounds, the <laughs> gonna... loudest eating I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yep. I almost so... threw up watching this movie twice because of the sounds. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> what films that really, I'm going to use the term realism. I don't know if that's, you know, I'm going to apply it to movies, but... Movies that take you to a time and place and you're like really there, yeah. kind of compared to Winter's Bone a little bit. Sure. Because after you watch that movie, you probably don't want to watch it again because it was so real. You felt like you were in right. the Ozarks of Missouri, right in the middle of the mess. Oh, that's right. So this is a movie that came from our lunch days when we worked together. Yep. And I remember you told me about it. Yeah, I'm like, you got to see this. And initially, <laughs> what did I say? I said, it's too dark. Absolutely not. I can't go I'm there. i watch this. <laughs> it's, it'll ruin me. <laughs> And your description of it was, was accurate, now having seen it. But at, I remember at the time, like, in no way am I ever going to want to watch this. Yeah. And um, and I get it. In some movies you see once and you don't want to watch again. I mentioned Braveheart's the same way. That's a rough movie to watch more than once. Yeah. Well, there's several scenes in there that just stay with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But this, um, you know, on the surface, when you read some of the descriptions, it, it, it kind of, it doesn't steer you the right way. And, and some, you know, I have problems with descriptions and I think you, you know, you're really bold in, in taking a chance on movies that, you know, maybe something different than you think it's going to be. And you don't listen to this, the description. It's like, I'm going in. We'll see what happens. Cause if I listen to IMDb, I would assume there'd be a sword fight to the death. There can be only one. Somebody's head's going to get yeah. cut off. Yeah. Or we'll t- or it was set in Scotland. Highland. Yeah. You'd, you'd be in the, now, oh, this may be, is it Ireland? Is a Highlander only Scottish? Can you be a Spanish Highlander? You just, I don't know. Well, you don't. Ameri- mountain man is probably an American term. So, so you can probably live in the Highland anywhere and not yeah. have to be a Scottish swordsman. Well, I, swordsman. I've got a name for him. We, yeah. When we get there, I don't know if we want to do that. Well, okay, yet. so I'll go. IMDb categorizes the movie as action, adventure, drama. Hmm. Action, adventure. I think two I th- out of three of those are not applicable. Well, it's definitely a drama. Uh, Netflix right? Netflix does something kind of interesting, and I, I like this. They will say the genre. Per Netflix, the genre is Spanish period pieces dramas. 
and then they'll do the this movie is, and then they'll do adjectives about it. Okay. And it says understated, gritty, and dark. Yeah. And that's an interesting when I think dark. Yeah, this movie's dark. It it but it's it, shot in a way that doesn't feel claustrophobic and oppressive well, and and it's full of compassion at the same time. Like there's full? so much full. <laughs> I've got there's... I've got notes chock full of it. You don't when you first watch it, your first run through, the parts that stay with you are dark and we're gritty. gonna align on this because there there there's like three bits yeah. of compassion in it. So it transports you to another time um, in the Pyrenees Mountains in Spain, probably mid to late 1800s. Um, he does use a match, so matches weren't invented until 1826. Um, so I'm going to say, you know, mid. This is fucking interesting. Mid to late this 1800s. Is... And you remember the movie Lucy with uh, Scarlett? With Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Yeah, you know when she's set in the late 1800s. Yeah. Well, she Crazy. goes there. Remember when she's sitting in the office chair and she's spinning the TV? Spinning the screen and going back in time oh, and then no. watches the scene and then goes back in time a little farther and watches it. That's what this movie does for you. You sit in your chair and you spin back to 1880 and you're there. And this filmmaker is once again a first time I may, I may have out-nerded you on your own favorite movie because I don't think it's in the 1800s. But we'll get there. Well, the rifle's closer to World War One. 1917 so i think it's later I, I may have found what model that rifle is but so we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get into the cast and this this i've been teeing this up for so long the thing that blew my mind about this movie okay he's been texting me teasers all week long and i hope this pays off this isn't for the audience this isn't for you people this is for todd he, he said i was going to lose my mind and now i now i feel in the moment i've set it up too big okay. but when we started, uh, when we hatched the idea for this podcast about um, talking about independent movies uh, together for the benefit of people, hopefully, to listen, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I had a list, like off the top of my head, immediately movies I wanted to do. Yeah. This list is probably 20 movies long. <laughs> and on that list, there are two foreign films. Two. Out of all of them. Out of all of them. Okay. Two foreign films. Both of them. Star the lead actor of this movie. I'm not kidding. Shut up. I'm not kidding. So you knew this guy going in. Mario Casas uh, is the lead actor in this movie. And I swear to God, <laughs> on my list of movies to do on this podcast, two foreign films, both Spanish, yeah. both star this guy. Oh, my God. He is a real pretty boy <laughs> when he's in without his beard and in and regular clothes. So it, it should be noted there's uh, about three lines of dialogue in this movie and nobody has a name. So names are irrelevant, but he's <laughs> three, cast... Wait, three lines of dialogue four, in the Four, maybe movie? four lines of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> but his, his name is... He's cast as Martinon. Martin? Mar, uh, Martinon. Martin? I don't know. He's been in a lot, as you said. Uh, cleans up really nice. Uh, he's in a movie, a 2010 movie called Neon Flesh, which kind of looks interesting, kind of like ris Risky Business. So that's not one you picked. And then two movies that are on... The list that we'll talk about on this podcast eventually, which is so bizarre. Uh, <laughs> talk about random. He comes from an acting family. Actually, all of his siblings are actors, and the most notable performance is his his uh, brother Oscar is in a movie called The Orphanage. I've talked to you about that before. Yeah, the Guillermo del, del Toro produced movie. Yeah, has the most heartbreaking end of any movie. I've, did you watch it? No, but you've told yeah. me that you're not the same. It's it's rough. Yeah. 
the second listed uh, star of the film is Irene Escolar, plays so, Adela. That's that's the the older of the two. That's right? no, that's wife two. No, that's okay. Uh, inarguably, she has more screen time. So interestingly enough, I, I, Irene, is it, right? I, her actual name is Irene Escolar. Okay, so Irene and uh, our our star, Mario, Mario, are only two years apart. Yet in this movie, it plays like a thirty-two-year-old and a teenager, and a 16 year almost sixteen-year-old. Yeah, interesting. She's two years younger than him. In real life. In real life. Holy cow! Yeah. So thirty-four and thirty-two. Currently, that's what they are right now. This movie was four, three, four years ago. Holy um, cow! Yeah, and then daughter, daughter number one. There, I'd never seen her. She's in anything. forty-five years old. Oh yeah, she looks like she's sixty. <laughs> she didn't. And, but we'll get she, there. <laughs> So Irene, her uh, her grandmother and parents were actors. So a lot of nepotism happening in Spain. Apparently, she's best known for a movie called An Autumn Without Berlin, which kind of uh, looks interesting. And then another movie she's in called Imagining Argentina, about a guy who can see other people's fate and futures except for his own wife. And there may oh, be something. So that's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, third build is Ruth Diaz. Uh, she's billed as Pascuela. Uh, that is wife daughter one. number one. Um, <laughs> so she's in a movie called Sex Crazy, and I noted this because <laughs> this is the description <laughs> of of Sex Crazy. Nano is a young schizophrenic who believes himself destined to stop the global arms race. He's always lived alone with his overwhelming mother. Now he meets Crazy Ramon. <laughs> that's the sex crazy. That's the sex crazy. Um, and, and then fourth build is Candido Aranga, and his character name is Severino. And as far as I can tell, he's the bar owner. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's, it took me a while to pick up on the difference. And that was one of the well, things it's, I picked it's up on It's bizarre that there are no character names. And I think that's particularly effective. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're, they're, they're not. That's what they would actually they're... do in this movie. They're not. This guy's not social, you know. He's not. He's not a talker. Interesting. Yeah, Mario. I agree. Mario. Um, and Candido Aranga was in a movie that just kind of stood out to me. The Backwoods. So perfect for you. <laughs> Two thousand six, and it stars Gary Oldman. And he, Gary Oldman and his wife. Are I've on... seen that. Have you? It's like British. British. I would assume. Me. I don't know. It's two couples go out to this. Like a Airbnb type thing before it was They're Airbnb on vacation, in the yeah. backwoods, and then they run into the like this whole mafia. It's, it's and they find a girl nuts. imprisoned in a cabin. Yeah, you've seen it. I've seen Holy it. Holy cow! That was one of those that I'm going in because because Gary Oldman was in it, so I had to yeah. find out. It's a crazy ride. Well, you've seen Severino in another movie, The Bar Owner. Wow! And then written and directed by Samu Fuentes, first writing and directing credit. Um. Which is impressive. I mean, this is a big debut, and and it's it's big production, and it's I mean, we'll get it's gorgeous to look at this movie. Holy cow! Yeah, the cinematography, the score, um, the score. Uh, Tagline: I translated it. Uh oh. Is the wildest side of human nature. That's the official tagline. Hmm. One hour and fifty minutes. Budget was one point seven million euros. Which is about two million translation, two million U.S. and the world really? worldwide gross. Did you look this up? Do you want to guess? First time filmmaker got where do you get 
how did he raise so two million? He's a first. Well, because he had Mario. Yeah, I, Mario's I think a he heart got it on movie star. Yeah, on the so lead you get after. him. Yeah. you get him signed on. You get two million. Hundred percent. And this okay. guy was probably like, "Hey, you know, I've been playing a pretty boy for so long. Let me grow a beard and and he wanted, uh, to, he wanted to stretch his and grunt uh, for a while. His, his and wheeze his loins. His his, uh, his loins. He wanted to stretch. He wanted you know to stretch what? out a he, little he bit. He called his agent. Hey, hey, uh, uh, Sergio, I want to stretch my loins. Can yeah. you get me into a weird like can you, wolf skin can movie? Can you get me Irene and and Ruth? <laughs> I need to. <laughs> I need to work this out. Uh, worldwide gross. What would you think? All right, cost two million to make. Worldwide gross gross was one hundred sixty-seven thousand. Ooh, fifty-two thousand four hundred and eight dollars. Oh, Mario, Mario, you didn't draw him in, Mario. And it was rated. And in, in Netflix does this. It's it's rated uh, TV fourteen. Maybe maybe if they used Brad Pitt in this. Yeah, maybe there can be an American instead remake instead of you know because Mario didn't have the moist lips going on. You could not see his lips. No, they were moist. They, they, he was constantly eating, like Brad Pitt. <laughs> Slobbering. Um, so I've got the trailer, and <clears throat> we talked about doing trailers, and I just thought I'd play the trailer because this is obviously a, a, a Spanish film. It's subtitled. Yeah. and But the, the score was so good. I do have a clip, um, but I thought I'd play <laughs> In Spanish, obviously. the, well, it may be a little different than you think. So here is the trailer for the film, and just see what you think. You get the atmosphere. Maybe you can recut it and put your own English subtitles to it. Here you go. wheezing man that is now that little i think that little violin flare at the end has been used in so many horror movies that the little scratching and so, up in the top there yeah but listening to that your mind just goes to a different you know you're not gonna see the movie that i mean the trailer contained every single line of dialogue in the movie <laughs> which is interesting <laughs> they squeezed it all in but, there is not a lot of dialogue, which is what I really like about this movie because I am a huge fan of show don't tell. Yeah. And again, all actually all three of my movies so far that I've done are all first time filmmakers. And all of them did that particular technique yeah. brilliantly. Well, the movie opens in a I guess in, in a semi predictable way in that it's it's a landscape shot, there's snow, it's yeah. cold. Yeah, kind and, of droning through the mountain. They're in the Pyrenees Mountains and the between 
this is northern Spain. Um, but that's not at all discussed or or discovered or you're just led to it could be anywhere yes yeah i mean it could be the alps and the time period is kind of unknown the 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 film settles on a deer a buck right yeah european style like i I guess they call him a stag yeah because it's not like like a white tail or a mule deer it's more like i guess you would call it a stag if you were in, in england um, it's, it's, not an, he, it's not an elk. I, I think the prop. I think the term would be stag. It's because he was wearing a speedo and gold chains. So you thought he was European. Oh, yeah, Mario. <laughs> He's saying things like, Mario. "Let's have wine for breakfast." Mario's not bringing the speedo in this one, though. What I, I'm curious about is how they got that shot of that deer. It's super close, and it seemed very comfortable yeah. with them. It was probably a hunting uh, farm where they just. You know, here's your, here's your number. Go shoot it. There you go. But it settles on his gun. And again, yeah. I'm trying to figure out the time period. You said late 1800s, but that gun appears to be a German KAR-98. And that was an infantry rifle given to the German army in 1925. Okay. See, it looked like a... It was a bolt action. It looked like a World War One bolt action because they had the wood on the top and the bottom. You know, over the barrel like that, yeah. and, and that struck me but as. But they a, made a point of to show the gun field. immediately, mm-hmm. and I thought that had to be intentional. Yeah, I, it struck me as a World War One gun, at least. So I'm thinking at least. But I don't 1900s know how long those have been out. It's clearly it's on. not a muzzleloader. It's a cartridge bolt action rifle. So, but I didn't look up what year those actually come in. And then so. when they show ultimately where he lives, he seems to be in the foothills. Of a, of a army base or some kind of village or something. It's a it's a ghost town. It's and a, I thought maybe that had to do with the Spanish Civil War, which nineteen thirty six to nineteen thirty nine, which is where he could have gotten the gun, and that's an abandoned, you know, uh, stronghold. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see any like fortifications, so it just looked I, I, like a village up in the mountains that it was just too harsh. Are up you there saying and, that I looked too hard? Into the skin of the wolf. <laughs> no. I just brought the Spanish Civil War up. I, I, I read about it. Yeah. I understood it. I learned how German weaponry could get in the hands of this mountain man. And you're making an excellent case. I just didn't see the fortifications <laughs> for for a Civil War outpost. You sly tac- tacnish, tactician. <laughs> Technical expert, you. Yeah. So he. Oh, yeah. What was a deer called again? Wait, wait. Deer, a European deer. His, yeah. his name was his name was Johan. With the, with the speed. With he the caught him with the speedo yeah. off. So he shoots the deer again, stabs it in the neck to kill it, as you do, and. <laughs> well, he ran after it. You know, all out. Right after he takes a shot, he just jumps out the heavy yeah. breathing. And he's just like he's not letting this thing get far. Because it's clearly, well, not clearly. You know, it's very important. It's. And it's his substance in the dead of winter. They're in the dead of winter. He he bags this thing and he carries it up on a homemade sled on his shoulders. Yeah. Up what was probably a long way. A, yeah. A, he's got it on a. Uh, um, did he have it on the sleigh? Yeah, but he's still and pulling he, and it he's with pulling his the body. sleigh as the horse. He's got the harness yeah, around him. Insane. That, that's, yeah. that's a long way to go. With a ton of weight. Yeah. He's literally the horse. It's food for seasons, right? As long yeah. as he can, depending and on the time. So this kind of brings us into 
my name for him. I'm going to call him uh, Caveman because he's he's kind of already set that up as to the rawness of him in these first couple of scenes. Yeah. And an interesting fact: Neanderthal DNA exists in in two percent quantity in a lot of humans. In Europe and Asia, it's higher. So let's say five or six percent. Ooh. How much would you say, uh, Mario Caveman? What do you think his percentage of Neanderthal DNA is? His real percentage, or After his having acting seen percentage? this whole movie, his acting, his percentage? acting, the character in this movie, seventy-seven <laughs> percent. At Woo! least, because the guy's nonverbal. Seven. <laughs> he is incapable. Of, he does grunt he, a lot. Oh, and is eating. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Why did the, Anyway, but <laughs> I thought he was Benicio del Toro for a long time cuz at every thought, angle he looked like Benicio. I thought he was Don Juan D- Johnny Depp, you know. Don Juan DeMarco? Yeah. He never had a beard. <laughs> no, just, Did he? No, just for the season. Is that the one with Marlon up. Brando? That is where he's the psychiatrist. Marlon Brando's the psychiatrist and Johnny Depp thinks he's Don Juan. It's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. You got me on that one. So anyway, he he lugs this deer up to his his home, which is a stone structure, very modest. It's clear this guy is off the grid, if there's even a grid. And yeah, there's no one around. He gets in. He makes a fire. Okay, so this was brilliant. Back to the realism. I I made a big note on this. The fire. So many movies drive me crazy with fire because. They do not make a fire properly, like proper, like how you would actually make a fire. This is a gripe that you have. So, I didn't know oh this. god, it drives me crazy. Because you, there's movies where they're sitting in the desert, there isn't a tree in sight, and all, and they have this perfectly burning fire. You know, it happens all the time. It drives me crazy. So, so you're saying little kids are watching movies like that's the bullshit way to make a fire. These kids are going to die in the wilderness. They need to be shown how to do it properly. Well, from from my survival and camping days, right. <laughs> It's 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 near and dear to my heart. So at least, what's our Sam? Is it Sam U. Fuentes? How do you how do you think you pronounce that? Um, the writer director. Samu S A M U Samu Samu Fuentes. So he's got him making a fire um, using tiny little twigs, pine cones. He did use a match, but he did the proper preparation first. Then he added the bigger logs. He's constantly. Um, blowing under the fire to make it burn into flame. You it's got very, it here. The most legit. It's would you very, say this it's is very the most realistic. legit fire you've seen in a movie? Mm, probably not the most, but close. Because the two logs he put on there were a little big. But if they were super dry, it would have worked. Is this why you watched this movie four times? To watch him build that fire? And, and, and blow uh, it into flame. Stoke that fire. Mario. Well, he, so, makes, he makes a fire. And the he, realism part of it. There it, you go. And he... Sleeps on a board. Yep. And he looks, and this ties back to he, he looks, never died, another movie. He just looks bored or or vacant. He looked pretty content when he went to sleep at that I, first I scene. Took, I took just like, I don't know, like well, he dumb just, he just or drug, devoid. He just drug a full-size oh, full stag on his shoulders yeah. Yeah, through the snow. And they, they do a good job in trying to set up, well, they do a good job and sometimes they don't do a good job because- at times, I don't know where he is. What's his house? Because the snow is gone, and the it, it, I, I'm thinking, where is he? Mm-hmm. But they establish at least that uh, there's a cemetery up on the ridge. Yep. And he's at the foot of 
what was an old town something i don't know yeah. I, I didn't yeah it's I couldn't... an abandoned village you can see that you see him throw straw into the this other stone building which is feeding the goats because you do hear yeah. the goats you know making oh, some so noise he's, he's raising goats and he he gets what he needs from this old you know so he gets wood and he, it's clearly helping him survive this old town because he goes up and he you know Gets wood from one of the things. He gets rope. Yeah, at one point he does that, and he gets wood from the wilderness as well. But and I think that that's kind of cool. In in the cemetery, it I thought there may be some meaning into the pan. It pans over the cemetery, and yeah. one of the crosses. Did you see what it said on it? They it said heron. There or were Efren. words for a brief moment, but I, I did not make it out. No, I, I was trying to suss out some kind of yeah, you know what may, may have been important about this. And this is where Jess said, are you sure it's not post-apocalyptic? Is this sci-fi? Oh. And then I'm like, okay. It could have been. It could be 2342, and, and that, it's one of those that's, you know, people regress. But That's all that's left of that town. Clearly not the case. Uh, <laughs> like Monte, Monte Doro is billed as a, as a sci-fi movie <laughs> with its apocalyptic city. But <laughs> so this is the first time where we hear him eat. Um, now it's <laughs> disgusting. He's, he's dipping the bread into is, this wet, soupy. I, I don't like, and like, and like my man, Jason Manzukas, great actor, how this could made. He hates what he calls wet mouth sounds in movies. Oh, he would this love this would movie. be his nightmare. This, this is, this is his hell. This is oh. what, if he doesn't, if he goes to hell, this, this is it. So he clearly is a guy who's living alone. He's off the grid for sure. This could be the 1800s. It could be 1925. And he decides to go to town. And that's a thing that I like okay. is the going to town situation because – Well, he, he it's springtime. So the first 15 minutes is basically day in the life of him surviving through the winter. Then he packs up all his wolf skins into that big backpack – and when he's hiking out, you can see it's green, and there's blossoms. There's a big tree right there full of blossoms. The so it's tree. clearly clearly tree. spring. So, you know, like we have the Blossom Fest here, right? So it's definitely springtime. So he just came out of the winter. He's got all his skins of the wolf. Do you notice that he locks his door when he leaves? <laughs> locks his door. <laughs> I laughed. I'm like, wait what a second. <laughs> Both of us were like, did he just lock his door? Did he put the lock on? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> only Ryan only can, was, can do that. It was pretty glaring because he like... <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, I did find something on Wikipedia, which we know to be true, is that uh, whoever wrote the summation of the movie says it takes two days to get into town. Yeah, it's right here in my notes. Two How did trip. you find that? You watch them. You assumed from that 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 was two days? It's clearly two days sure, without good. question. I... I I, it could have been four. It could have been 12. Shall I explain? <laughs> he hikes out of the village, right? He's got his backpack, and he goes. It's daytime, and he goes up and down the trails, down the riverbank, and then he goes down that hill. Right? Are you clocking the sun at this point? He, It's going to get dark. He, he goes down that rope to the waterfall, and then another realism point that I really loved there's a deep, there's a cave behind the waterfall, and he I, oh God. creeps up to it. This cave, and he picks up a rock, zings the rock, and his face his face is just awesome in this. Why is he throwing rocks in the cave? Well, there might be a friggin' bear or, or a panther or whatever in there, right? He's got a you don't just willy nilly go walking into a dark cave because you. Get I eaten. do that in most rooms in my house. 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I, have, I have pockets full of rocks. So my kids are wily. You never know who's in there. So I just toss a rock, and uh, you know something dangerous comes be out. Some poltergeist in there. I, that that cave behind yeah. the waterfall. Yeah. Why doesn't he live there? It's so lovely. Well, and there's he has a fire, and it's the only time that he kind of emotes because he's laying down and he's kind of like, ah, so this is pretty great. In the entire movie, I've got it underlined here in my notes, that is the only time he smiles. And that is why I call him Caveman. Ah. He's laying down in front of the fire, and he's literally smiling. It's it's lovely. And it's the only time he smiles in the entire movie. So it's like, stay there. That he's, sounds pretty good. It's closer, it's closer to, to town. But he won't have his goats and goat's milk, and he won't have... Yes, the only thing he loves. <laughs> so got... he, he gets into town, and again... Town doesn't really give away too much. It could be, I don't think it's the 1800s by this point because you, you see one spoiler later, he goes into a house that has lights, yeah. electricity. Yeah, I, I saw that in somebody's notes too on the thing that that didn't fit with the rest of the time frame. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it could it not be 1925? Because everything else was lanterns and I don't know. We'll see when we get to the, the part of uh, the selling your kin. So I is mean, acceptable in twenty five. The stat that I have is electricity in nineteen twenty five. Only half of U.S. homes had electricity. Now, and that was in the U.S. I mean, electricity in mass, you know, was available in a way in the late eighteen hundreds, but still by nineteen twenty five, half of U.S. homes had it. And there's a fun stat about the White House too, like which, and okay. I'm sounding ignorant about the first president who had electricity. Um, so look that up on your own. Ladies and gentlemen, get back at us about What's that. What's with the light bulbs? Should they be there? Shouldn't they be So there? he gets into town, and now we have the first line of dialogue, and we're 17 minutes and eight seconds into the movie. Yes. Well, we should we should point out that just before he gets in, I'm going to call it the saloon, where he where the first dialogue happens, he peers on a door, which is in the mill. So you see the, the stream going by, you see the water work, uh, the wheel, and so... And then uh, we have our gal in there, daughter number one, doing the doing a washing the gra- lady mixing the grain. So oh, I thought th- she was that a- was a that was a, a grain mill. So they oh. were making grain into flour. I thought she was which is what they did in the late eighteen hundreds. Uh oh, <laughs> are we poking holes in your movie? <laughs> and the first and- line of dialogue is he meets the the bartender at the saloon, and the bartender says, "Go tell the mayor, wolves are here." The wolves are here, which is and it's he says it to two kids. The pelts, go get the mare. This the is this is here. a moment that warrants bringing the mayor out of whatever he's doing. What do you think that mayor is doing in that town? What do you, how did he get elected? What is he doing? Is he, he cleaning up the streets? The streets he, look dirty. He is mafia based. <laughs> running the he town. could not be more or less mafia based. The guy <laughs> came in. He's like, oh, excuse me. Yeah, I, I only have fifty nine coins for these. He things. was he was <laughs> no match for caveman. Caveman, but, caveman lit them up. So they, they haggle over the price of the pelts. And what I thought was interesting is he mentioned, you know, it, there was an adult and there was a, a a female and two cubs. And he said he had to kill a pregnant wolf. And that's bad for him. Right. Because it's less. Because it's four less wolves he would have yeah. the next season to shoot. So the mayor doesn't have the coin to drop on these sweet, sweet wolf pelts. Yeah. Well, he tries to give him 59 coins. Turns out he only has 50 anyway. And Mario, uh, caveman, insists on 69 coins for the reasons you just mentioned. And our, our washcloth mayor doesn't even 
You know, everybody's afraid of him, you can tell. Well, maybe, yeah, I guess. Not the saloon owner. He seems to have a rapport with him. You know, that's probably the person he talks to most because he goes there, interacts with him, that guy facilitates his stuff, and then he's out. Yeah, because he didn't talk to daughter one. He just kind of looked at her and left. Um, And so, do they ever resolve? They take the pelts. And he says, oh, yeah. they I'm take 19 the coins out. short. Maybe the bartender can shore you up. So he gets two bottles. Yep. Right? So you assume that they make everything whole. And the mayor, the mayor, mayor, the mayor leaves. The grocery store. Yeah. He, he, he has a couple other guys carry the pelts for him. Mayor does not touch wolf pelts. They and, look gross. And in this time frame, so this is real cool for me because um, I actually have a document or I have read a document. You know, I had a fire, so I lost the actual document. <laughs> I'll have to re-get it. But I, I have a, re- a relative, a very distant relative from uh, uh, late 1700s, early 1800s, Hezekiah Boone. And when he was in Virginia, there is an actual document of him having five wolf pelts and using it as like a form of currency. So this whole move, you know, this whole thing, the pelts are currency yeah, as well as coins. Well, so we're, you know, also beads and stones and sticks. Like if you presented it the right way, here you go. I've you got can a get bead necklace. Anything you want. <laughs> I've got a wooden nickel. Let me have New York. But I think the reason wolf's pelts were valuable is because they were is considered a such a nuisance it's, it's just they so kill hard all your livestock yeah because the whole thing without his dog and goats being killed yeah um, when they're having that conversation yeah which is coming up in a moment here and then he says well you don't want another dog how about a woman how about a woman it's don't a you want a son <laughs> wouldn't you like to have a son so is that bartender like his his nosy girlfriend who's just trying to get him hitched he is well he Caveman wasn't having it though. He's like, "There's no place for women are hard well, to yeah, tame." Yeah, he's, ta- he's talking to the bartender, and and the bartender is suggesting a wife and suggesting a child, mm-hmm. and he says, "Where I live is too harsh. It's not good for a wife. It's not good for a child." He also said dogs are would take too long to tame, and he said that no, women, he said are, women harder to are harder tame. to tame. Because he, well, he mentioned the dogs first. Which it would take too. The long movie to proves tame. untrue completely because these women have no agency, no personality. No life, no <laughs> thoughts of their own. Uh, I don't know, daughter, daughter number two. Uh, there is, there is a nice, a nice twist. Does, so does have a zinger. He ends up. The the bartender says something kind of interesting. He again is trying to sell caveman on a wife, and he yeah. says, "Well, who's going to get your shit when you die? Just some random person is going to take what's left." Yeah, everything you've worked if, for. If we're being honest, what? They're what just going to inherit it. There's, there's nothing there but There's rocks. a bowl he eats out of that he probably made out of his own shit. Um, you know, there's rocks. There's a wooden bed. Yeah. There's a very accurate campfire. It's dilapidated stone but, buildings. That's all it is in the way up in the mountains. And then he says, oh, I'm going to burn everything to the ground. ground. And I've got, I've got a question for you. It's made of stone. How the hell are you going to burn it to the ground? There is that. It, and we're not you know, heaping upon him an overabundance of brains, I guess. Survival instinct, yeah. 76%. So if he feels like he's going to perish, is he going to set a fire and die in the fire? How is he going to ensure that he burns everything to the ground? Yeah, and he doesn't do that, they die slow enough. back in the day. There was you know? no payoff on that. In they the just end. think like, oh, I might be about to pass. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to know. 
So, um, that was just a manly thing to say. Like, I'll burn it to the ground before any of these slackers. He does get a couple of things before leaving town. One, he goes to get new, I assume, traps those, from the, those were traps the, from blacksmith, the blacksmith, which is foreshadowing, I think. And he paid in coin. Interesting. He well, didn't he pay got, his skins. He got coin from the mayor. Yeah. He's paying it for it. But well, I'm leading up to something you probably missed. So, because I didn't I catch it the first time, decidedly miss it. Because Cause he no. paid with coin at the blacksmith. That's what I'm saying. And he looked over the traps really good. And he spent a lot of time working on his traps over the winter and, you know, cleaning his traps, cleaning yeah. the guns. That's his Well, sometimes his, his traps literally flatten an entire animal into the ground. The- <laughs> which <laughs> that, I assume he has magical traps. No, that, but what? That, wow. That was, that was uh, the fox dehydrated and frozen. That's, that's what they look like. It's, it's not a pretty sight. And I, and I hate to say it, but I think that was real. I think that was a real animal. Gross. Yeah. So. Um, Can't do that here. You can do it in Spain. He leaves town, and on the way out, he stops. I th- we, I, I called her washerwoman, grain woman, and he and her have a little uh, a little kinky time. Uh, no dialogue, just wham, bam, and out he goes. Okay, so you did miss it. So when he walks in the door, he, he, looks, her? he looks at her. Yep. He takes out some small pelts. Not wolves, but let's say mink, fox, whatever. Sets them on the counter as he looks at her, like this is what this is gonna like. They've done this before, in my opinion. Off comes the backpack. He walks over, spins her around, so her backside facing him, and so wait. spits in his hand. Spits a big loogie in his hand. <laughs> that, that you can't so say this guy's not kind. <laughs> yeah. You know, he he spits in his hand before. Yeah, I mean the KY store um, was what's, closed. What's probably an assault. And um, no, she was kissing him. She was rubbing the back of his head. Okay, she was, so she was she's in. a prostitute. She was uh, yes. And this confirms he paid her with okay. pelts. Interesting. So at least at that particular moment, she was. He's out. He gets back home, and what gets him to come back? Because again, he's eating like a yep. disgusting monster. Okay, so he's and he sees her neckerchief, her yep, handkerchief. I call it the scarf. Is that what that was? That's what she was wearing around her head. Okay, why did he take it? He carries it out when he leaves there right after he does the, the wild caveman thing with her. Yeah, it's in his hand. Okay. And so then this he's eating, right? And he's probably thinking, man, I'd like to go all caveman again right now and just staring at that scarf. And then the salesman lines running through his head. How about a woman? How about a son? So this is what prompts him to make yeah. the two-day journey back into town? Yeah, this is all the show don't so tell. I mean, this is a first-time filmmaker. God bless him. <laughs> This is good stuff, people. You know, actually, going back, what I think was interesting, there was a bit of kindness. Because before he went to bang Oats Lady, he went to the river and, and washed he washed up. himself. Yep. And, and his teeth. And that was also teeth. disgusting. <laughs> because I think of how bad he the two smell. of them must smell to get the, Oh, yeah. God. The smell would burn down that building. But that was normal back then. Can I know. you believe that? I know. They, that's just what they dealt with. Look at Columbus when he sailed over. They did they take bass in that ship for three months? No. Oof. I guess you get used to it, right? You get the I old glass just to shit all over the place, and everybody smelled. We're so far removed from that. Yeah, we, I don't we think we can even... handle it. So he he goes back to town, and this is where I noticed the lights, because yeah. he goes to her. What for you sure. find out are her father's house, and there are lights on the wall. So I'm like, oh, twenties. And 
Yeah, they, they do a fast cut, like, boom, he's back in the cave, and then he's down that there. That didn't they don't, take me out of it. it they did. don't to do the whole travel. No, because no. they've already established it's a two-day yeah. hike to get to that village. Plus, you don't... I mean, in the 1920s, you could have people living remotely like that, very simply. You have it today, and, I'm sure. And, well, you don't need to show that whole journey twice, so it's already been established. They show a lot of it, I but, think, appropriately when they have to. So this this when he's back in the village, this shot is just so beautiful for me the way it was shot. Again, there's no dialogue. It's it's pouring down rain. The camera's outside and it's on a track and they're they're shooting through the window and he's negotiating with a new guy. They're they're having drinks, they're shaking hands. And I call him uh uh is it Geppetto who's Pinocchio's Geppetto, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This guy's Geppetto. Geppetto? Yeah, he looks like Geppetto to me. The dad? The dad. He's just got hair around the side, he's bald on the top, short little frumpy guy you brought a kids movie into this yeah interesting in a long nose <laughs> and well it should have been lengthier uh, with the swindle that tell he a lie puts forth but so he ostensibly deals with the dad to buy this well, woman this is the, all that it's show don't tell baby all you're seeing is them doing a thing at the table then the camera tracks in through the rain to the next window and then you've got the two girls and the mom in there and they're all having a light They're, they're probably talking like, we've hoped for this for you yes. for so long that this crazy nonverbal brute would bring you up to his hellscape where he lives and you could toil for the rest of your natural born life. 76% they're Neanderthal so, girl. They're so excited You're for so her. You're so lucky. So she, she goes back, a two-day journey. In her head, she's got to be like, okay. This is awesome, but he does a couple of nice things as they're farming. What are they farming? Yeah, by they the way? just cut, cut. They're growing the garden for the. So it's just for the winter for them. for them. Yep. He offers her water. What a nice, nice man. Yeah, and she turns it down. She turns it because she's like, I don't want to risk getting slapped in the face if I say yes. Well, she has she has interactions with this guy. She's already had sex with him. Probably has done it. Every time he comes down in the spring, but they're, they're, I, I assume know, so they, everybody does this with her. That's the in and out of that. You got to pass the grist mill. That's the in and out of that town. It literally. Um, <laughs> and this girl is is yeah. That's how she got sick. But it looks like a terrible life. And one thing that I think is interesting from that time, and you see it in other movies, is stoking up hot coals and then putting them under the bed for warmth. Yeah. And, and all it, of these things, well, and he, it looks like they were heating a pan of water, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they, you know, they would have them um, like in the in the uh, '40s and the '50s. No, not in the '40s. In front of what am I talking about? Um, around this time, where you put coals in a thing and you put them under the covers. Yeah. Like where your feet are. Did I say the '40s? What is wrong? I need to address that. I said the '40s and the '50s. There was central heating and air back at that time, so I don't know what's wrong with that. And radio. And radio, but. So so this looks like a horrible life. You get a good look at her. <laughs> she looks to our life, she yeah. looks 58 years old. She She looks as old life. as Geppetto. It's a hard life. She But was her life that hard in town? She's making grain, she's well, banging dudes. And, I don't know, road hard, put away wet. What do you well, you know? She's put away old. Um she's pregnant. It's revealed she's pregnant. And I think a really nice thing and Jess said this too is when he made the crib, the baby crib. Yeah, well, yeah, and which I think so was was a, a nice one, gesture. Yeah, you're you're gonna see different. He was a little. He had some. He had some nice compassion for her, and then 
you know, the next one around is going to be way more compassion. But that cradle was pre-made. That was not carved. So he found that in one of the buildings. Um, you can tell it's already got scroll work on it. I mean, he, he kind of checks the side and you see wood is chafing off. So Jesus. The second the second one he clearly you saw him. I assume him. he made the first one. Yeah, no, he that was pre that was pre made. So we gave him more credit than he deserved. He just stole somebody else's. Well, I think crib. the first time I saw it, I thought he carved it. He made it too. But after, you know, spending way too much time with this movie in preparation, I, so I picked up on that. In one of the one of the lines of dialogue, he's talking to his indentured wife and um he says you here you learn to survive without even realizing it which was an interesting thing to say because is it, he just saying yeah she was trying to get him to go back to town she have you ever yeah, thought about said, leaving you think about leaving look at all this dialogue but yeah this is it <laughs> this is as loquacious as it gets what uh chatty thank you so one thing he, again he does say that i thought was interesting uh, throughout that interaction is he says, I'm not alone anymore. Yeah. Because that seemed kind of important. Yeah. He says, besides I'm not alone because she says, what if something happens to you or happens to us? Yeah. And he says, I'm not alone, which I think is kind of cool. But again, this is a terrible life for her. Yeah. Well, he all of a sudden gets his, gets Randy and bends her over the table. Well, yeah. That's the thing. He goes from zero to horny. Like yeah. you can see his lizard brain. The guy is not even developed enough. Well, he's working with his pelts and then goes, Burr. <laughs> and just gets up. I'd say like a Ferrari, but there that's is Italian. no romance. What? There's no, no. He's not no. holding hands. No. This guy. No, he didn't spit in his hand that time. This either. guy's a real. I and 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 again, the the inherent barbarism of it. You have to understand the time. Yeah. But it's still you have to empathize with the characters. You see this woman who has well, you, no agency over his life, over her life. You to me, you you feel like you're you're there. Yeah. You know, you 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 really and. A big part of it, I think, was the way they did the score, because the score only comes in on mostly longer shots and things like that. But yeah. all the intimate stuff is just the noise and sound, either the forest. Okay, what are you going to call intimate? What's going on close? The sh- close Not shots. intimate in in a relationship. No, there's nothing sense. intimate in <laughs> between them in, at all. In, in caveman Neanderthal, but that. Because it's just the real ambient sounds of of the of the room and what's going on. You you hear the fire going in the background. You know it's like like watching a a documentary at that yeah. point. And I think that puts you much more into the movie. As, so as realism. he does something kind of interesting, and I, and I wanted to look this up because the wife appear it gets sick. There's something wrong with her. But at one point, he is scraping bone marrow out of a bone, a large yeah. bone, into a mortar and pestle. Yeah. And is, they do that, is that throughout a, the movie. I didn't know what that was. I I mean, because you can eat bone marrow. That's well, a delicacy at fancy restaurants yeah, now. But Well, when you tan hides, I'm thinking it's to do with tanning the hides because usually you would, brain, you, need that. you would brain tan the hides. Every animal's brain, every animal has enough brain to tan their own hide. So usually brain, you know, that was usually the course. But I think it might have had to do with that unless they were just making – some form of grease, but it was definitely it's done throughout the entire movie. Yeah, and I would like to know exactly what that is because I so don't. So I'm going to share something really I'm ashamed of. Oh, I'm no. very ashamed, and and I blame the filmmaker because the way it's edited, <laughs> the wife is alone in in their their bed. Uh, he's milking goats. Yeah, and I think 
she's having the baby. Then they cut to him holding a baby goat. Yes. And I wondered, did she give birth to a goat? Don't take that seriously. They were showing his beautiful companion. They were showing that the filmmaker was showing that he wanted to have a family. He wanted to have a child. He loved that goat. He is he is cradling this baby goat, petting it. You know, like he's looking forward to having a baby. Is what I believe that was a symbolism for. But simultaneously, his wife is in there dying. Yeah, screaming. That was a scream. I think you heard in the trailer. It, the first one was, yeah. Yeah. So wife dies, and he um, takes about three seconds to get over it, and then well <laughs> starts to dig her grave. Yeah. In the cemetery. How you find out she's dead is he takes the he comes walking out with the cradle, and throws it against that yeah, stone wall and smashes it to bits. Then now he I don't goes. Feel up so and, bad. He didn't spend all that time making it. He just threw the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then he goes up into the cemetery and loses his shit. And and destroys all destroys the crosses. Every, and, yep. Holy cow. So he was, once again, establishing, show, don't tell, establishing that he wanted a family. Oof. He had accepted that. Yeah. He's holding the baby goat, and then he completely loses his shit when she dies. What he does, though. Compassion is for a, Neanderthal. It, is a baller move. Is he bandages this woman up, and he takes her back to town, and he throws her at dad and says... This didn't work. Well, you he, sold me something bad. He buries her first, right? In the middle of winter, he digs the holes and buries her. And then the next day, he gets pissed and digs her up, puts her on the sleigh. That makes it even worse. <laughs> how about, yeah, how about that scene where he's taking the sleigh down the hill? He's trying to get back down to the village. He's going after uh, Geppetto. And he loses. He slips and falls, and the sled just goes down and <laughs> crashing, and the body just goes yeah, flying. It was it funny. Was, Oh, it was funny. Funny. Yeah, it was funny. Oh, that was that was heart wrenching. That's a little insight into into my psyche. I, yeah. I laughed at that um, because I was thinking the whole time, what if he slips and what if the body? Oh no! Because I was, I was crushed. I in, was like, in that oh first, my god! You know, thing where he has to climb up the the, yeah. the rope. Yeah, he threw her down. He just, like you knew he did. He didn't lower her down. He just like screw it. I ain't got it's time like for this. When you get rid of your Christmas tree, you dump it over the you know thing in the backyard and you kick it in the bushes. <laughs> So he brings her back. Yeah, and he just lays her in the middle of the floor in in Geppetto's uh, house. And so why do he he tells Geppetto you need to pay up by spring? What does he owe anymore? He owes the. Does he owe? He owes what he paid in skins and coins for first wife because she's defective. Yes, he's returning <laughs> his defective product. It, it, my my mind exploded. It's an, it's, oh an, it's an ownership. I mean, he bought, he, I know. the father took the dower rights. So this is like a thing. I mean, as you're saying it, doesn't it just sound awful? In our day and age, yeah. But the fathers used to always take dower rights. You bring your goats and your chickens and your horses and you trade for the, his daughter to, to be married. So it, it turns out, and, and I think this is kind of an interesting twist, is that the father knew that his daughter was pregnant already. It wasn't caveman's. And she was sick. Mm-hmm. And he thought if this guy marries her and takes her up into the woods, she has the kid. Yeah. Maybe everything's going to be okay. He said something like, "She was a widow, you and uh, and pregnant. What would you know? What would the people in town say? And you showed up with the money. Yeah. You would have done the same thing. Look at all that dialogue. I don't right? know what if he would have done the same thing. I'm not sure. We know a caveman would have done. But what happens? Is that thankfully Geppetto's got a little extra coin in his pocket in the form of another daughter. 
Well, yeah, we don't, we don't, yeah. He goes back up the mountain. And Does then he? comes back in spring, yeah. And he comes back in spring, and the guy can't pay up, but he says, I've got another one of these. Well, he, it's so It's, it's a so newer funny. model. So he's carrying the grain into the grist mill, right? And he and he turns and he sees caveman coming. He's like, oh, and he drops he drops a bag of grain. He's like, wait, wait. And he runs in and slams the door. How much money are we talking about? And down Would 19 coins. What, do, I didn't look guess. that up. What, do you know what that I, means? What a coin, what the value is? No. I didn't look that They're up. Just, I don't know if they had different delineations like we do now or if yeah. a coin's a coin, you know. Because it seems so very plain. And maybe one coin is one this. You know, yeah. this, is, this costs money. This is silver. That's what it is. And he's presented with this younger daughter, and yep, he kicks the door and gun in hand, and he's ready to shoot Geppetto, right? And Geppetto uses this this cute little sixteen year old blonde girl as a human shield, and then he introduces her as, "This is my youngest daughter." Top of the patriarchy, ladies and gentlemen. I, I think this is what this podcast is. <laughs> we shouldn't have been in charge even back then. Even back then, we were dicks about things. This is my Human youngest shield. daughter. And that's and and if you marry her. So he he looks her over. Yeah, he does like, a full like on like he roots. can be it's gross. Yeah. It's full on gross. Like, like he can be picky. Are you serious? Do you think girls in this town are lining up to be with this guy? He he turns her around, stares at her ass, turns pushes not gently, pushes her back around, he checks her teeth. It's not yeah. it's, it's he shouldn't be that picky. This guy should not he yeah. barely can speak. He is Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so are you breathing she, okay she is given something by her father which i i thought was really interesting yeah. the father gives her a a red cloth and says if everything goes wrong this is something you, you can use if you can't take it anymore yeah what this is right think? this is right after the wedding what he gave her well when i see it later when she unwraps i thought it was it, a gun yeah like to kill yourself it's um well, what I thought it was—we'll we'll get there. But okay. you just—you just said something. There was a wedding ceremony this time. Yeah, first time, and the salesman was there too. No ceremony. No, no, nothing. But this time, I—what I, was that she wedding was, like? She was a she was a pregnant. What did she widow. wear? What you, did she wear? You don't even. Oh, you don't. That doesn't you just, rank. You just send her it up. Doesn't the hill. rank a, a ceremony. <laughs> sick and pregnant, damaged goods. You don't get a ceremony. Yeah, I'm not we don't even know what shit. she was sick with, but it wasn't good. She you know coughing. what? What hall did they rent? Did that cost money? Was that like? Blair's place that they had the ceremony. Who came? Yeah, it was probably the back end of the saloon. How did they send invitations? Like, hey, that weird mountain guy who doesn't talk. Yeah. He's getting married. Come on over. We're the whole, have, the whole town was there. The whole town was there. He's bringing goat goat treats. So <laughs> <Okay>. they. <laughs> what the hell's a goat treat? Yeah, I don't know. Goat's milk. So they show part of the uh, the journey back, which is to say, this is a shit journey back to town. And oh yeah, and she's back to home, and yeah. it's terrible. It's hard to deal with. She's a young girl, and she's wearing black dress shoes. That just that one got me. Yeah, I'm like, why the hell? She can't. She can't climb the hill. She's getting stuck on all the all the brush. She's just having a terrible time. Goddamn useless, right? Yeah. He should just throw her off the thing. And well, and he just keeps plowing ahead. He doesn't. He's like, Ugh, come on. So they get back to home, and again. You realize is, that this is not going to be great for her either. This is a terrible no. life. You're queuing up the phone here. Well, so I, I've got a clip. And what I did, um, because at this point, he's having a conversation with his 
indentured servitude wife number two. Daughter daughter two. And he's eating. And I, I couldn't <laughs> do a clip of dialogue. I wanted to do music. So I have a little supercut of this disgusting monster man eating. Now, this may be podcast history. This may be the grossest thing to happen on any podcast. But these are the... And not all of them, by the way. So if you like this kind of thing and you're kinky about like weird mouth sounds, this watch this you. movie. So this is a you, you will little, buy this little cut of this is literally him eating. <laughs> you sure that's that water running? So gross. I assume he's peeing while he's doing this. He's at the waterfall. (laughs) Do you hear this? (laughs) Who eats like this? This is gross. Caveman. And he's talking. So. And she is not eating at all. <laughs> Listen to him slapping his lips. Just blah, blah. Is this with girl wife too? Daughter too. <laughs> Ew. Okay. All right. Hey, I gotta. That was beautiful, by the way. But I gotta regress somebody, just for a quick should, second. Somebody it, should remix that. Remix we, his this is into like a dance hit. Yeah. So we flew by my. Uh, my spiritual moment. Oh. So we got to regress just for a quick second. So wife number one tells him she's pregnant. And uh, then the next day when he is out setting his traps, he turns and he sees a wolf facing him. And he pulls out his dagger. And and he's a big dude. I mean, this wolf looks like a little poodle standing facing him off. Right. right. I mean, he's got this huge-ass knife. And they, they lock eyes, and then there's a serious moment there of, you know, this is going to be a life-and-death thing. And then the wolf just gently turns and, you know, trots off through the woods. You clearly see that it's a female wolf. He immediately pulls up his rifle. The shooter has a clear shot and does not take the shot, which is what his survival is based on. And it was after... Uh, daughter number one had told him the night the day before night before that uh, she was pregnant so i think that was a point his symbolism number one, wife number one yeah. geppetto's daughter number geppetto's one. daughter yeah that was a you oh, know, school a, a spiritual moment where too. he went you know he went out of the the kill mode and, yeah. and went into the compassion mode it th- there are little moments of that and i think the the brutality makes some of those small moments although still he's an unforgivable person yeah um more poignant you know those little moments but he's also a disgusting weirdo because he's in his in he's in his main kitchen with the main water supply and he just snots one right into the water 
Yeah. That, just, that he's uh, that he's washing his yeah, hands. Yeah, he's washing his hands in it. Yeah. And he's, uh, <laughs> he just just blows a bug in there. Well, it's all gonna come out in the end. You still think seventy six percent? Huh? Seventy six percent caveman. Yeah. Oh, it's Neanderthal. closer to ninety six at this point. <laughs> so, but he. You know, he does have conversation with wife number two, and I think there's something interesting when she's up on the cemetery and she notices to what you think are graves dug, and she asks him about it, and he says, those aren't graves, those are holes. Yeah, so he had he had gone back down to the village and said he was going to be gone four days. Again, two days down, two days back. Yep. Um, so during that time... Well, he told her, "Don't be careful going in the buildings. There could be vipers. Oh, there could be. Yeah, that was sweet too. Yeah, it was there could be vipers. Yeah, he doesn't want to come back to another dead wife. He's got a. Yeah, you know, he's he got doesn't some want to traipse to this one down the mountain, throw her down yeah. the cliff. But we didn't talk about their honeymoon night, though. Are we gonna just glass over that or honeymoon? Yep. Okay, there was a loose wedding ceremony. I don't think no, honeymoon. No, when they get back to the cabin, the honeymoon consummation. I mean, a honeymoon would mean going somewhere other than home. Making a weekend out of it. He didn't take her ca- camping. Yeah. Well, how old would you say she is? Um, what's your what's character? I, I assume everybody back then is twenty three years older than they actually are. So I'd say she's in her twenties. She looked sixteen. To me. Her sister looked fifty eight. Yeah. So Geppetto, I, I, mean, I don't know what's happening she, with Geppetto. She looked like sixteen to me, but you know, their honeymoon night. She did. She had her hair all out. She's laying on the bed waiting for. I don't think caveman to come in. She's waiting for him to not come in. And she's hoping he no, died on a mountain she, somewhere. Well, when you find out, and then and then caveman is not. He's not a gentle lover. He's a real asshole, and most <laughs> he, of the time he is. He is a uh, caveman at heart when it comes to consummation. That's not a honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> that was their honeymoon. Their honeymoon. They had a little slop. In he the, allowed her to eat. Yep. And, and then, then and she, then he went all caveman on ugh. her in the bedroom. So there's a turn in this, and you alluded to it, and I was trying to pinpoint like where it happened. Because she she takes a strong stance at some point. And they have an argument, or not an argument, because they're really not talking normally. They just say things back and forth. But he says, Your father killed your sister essentially by letting her come here sick. Yeah. And he did the same and to pregnant. You. And he and she said that's a lie. And I think that's where she either broke or, interestingly uh-huh. enough, found some strength. Very, very close to what I have. Almost the same. I got it when she saw the two the two empty graves in the cemetery. It started there. I wrote that's where the shift happened. Yeah. Her, for her. And you see the performance. Because before that, she's like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, uh, I'm this is my life now. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna make the best life. of it. She's, uh, she's property. Again, she's massaging wolf skins and getting out of the whatever. Well, she's scraping wolf skins, the the, the hide, preparing the hides. And then it's <laughs> revealed that she's pregnant. And it's revealed by her looking at herself in the mirror, holding her stomach. Yeah. And that's the only way I guess you knew and back then. And she's like pushing on her stomach, like trying to make it go away. Is that what you took from that? Oh, yeah. She did not want yeah. that. And this is after she's been caved man three times. Well, I, Brutally. you know, this is a terrible, terrible life. And- Another bit of compassion. Here's another one. Here's number three is she's pregnant, right? It sucks to be pregnant. Morning sickness. I mean, imagine being pregnant back then in a crappy mountain house at the foot of what may have been a Spanish, you know, garrison. And they're cleaning and skinning and gutting a wolf. And he gives her a break. He's like, you know what? 
Don't gut this wolf with me. You have a seat, honey. You're about to puke. And he lets her off the hook. Oh, you're... Are you... Are you ahead where they were doing the the hog there, gutting the hog? Was it a hog? I don't know. Yeah. But I I just thought that was a nice thing. You know, let her off her chores for the day because she was pregnant. What about when he made her breakfast after she told her he was pregnant? And she got up the next morning. Oh, that's right. That's right. He he made her breakfast sitting there waiting for her. He allowed her to eat. He made breakfast for her and it was sitting there waiting for her. Yeah. She was quite taken aback by that. And and it's again, because of everything else to that point, it's like, wow. Yeah. That's really he wants to be, he guaranteed that was the only time he did that, right? He's like, I'm doing this once. <laughs> then you're getting back to cleaning the pigs. <laughs> I know you're puking, you're sick, but you got to clean these hogs. Yeah. He, he saw like, see, it looked like she was bleeding. And he said, don't do that. I assume that they're all bleeding all the time. <laughs> back then, it life must have been so painful. Everything hurt. There's no Advil. <laughs> there's no there's Advil. No, there's no excitement. You just lay out in the cold until you're numb and then you come back in. But at this point, you see her, and again, there's a change in her. The actress, I think, does a really good, I like her in this a lot. Yeah, and, and we didn't talk about that enough. So all three, you know, caveman, wife one, and wife two, brilliant acting jobs. I think everybody does this a good entire job movie. This. Everybody does a good job. Yeah, yeah, it's just, those are your three main characters. That's, yeah. And, you know, other people are listed, but but he, he's good. And, and as indicated by the fact that I told you, I have two other movies like on my list of things that he is the star, <laughs> which is crazy. So she is this when he's on his four day trip when she un- unwraps the red thing because he's he's on his four day trip. No, it's it's uh, he's just out setting traps. So right. it's after you come back and he gives her the reason you're here is because you were bought and paid for. That's why yeah. you're here. So she opens the red thing and it's not a gun, it's herbs. It it is. Um, what I believe is poison hemlock. It, it's pine twigs. Yeah. So I, I, you know, Socrates drank poison hemlock. He and did. His last words were, "I drank what?" <laughs> what? That's stolen from another comedian. I forget who. <laughs> he just, he just literally Socrates froze me. Like, I'm just like, oh, dude, you said this was a mimosa. <laughs> this sucks. So she she unwraps the, these herbs what? and she puts them in jars. And then, no, most notably, she washes her hands, like, really intensely. Yeah, because she was holding the poison. So, immediately, I'm thinking, this is not good stuff, and she's going to poison this motherfucker. Yeah, and she put it in the what I believe were the tea jars, because pine needles are rich in vitamin C. So, you make tea with pine needles, and that's how you get your vitamin C out in the forest. Jesus. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, it's not new. It's been around for before caveman. I didn't know. B.C., for caveman. <laughs> Before Mario. And she is clearly poisoning him because he is yeah. not looking good and he's puking. No, oh, he, he is but amongst, white as a ghost. Amongst all this, he starts making the, the crib, the, the first crib that he makes. He, it's a lot. You see him carving yeah. the crib and, and that's kind of sweet. The one, the, you know, if I could encapsulate one shot in this movie, and maybe this kind of parallels him in the waterfall cave, Yeah, is... You know, he's on his side and he smiles that one night she's in bed and you see her and she has a look of relief on her face. She doesn't look downtrodden. She doesn't look defeated. Because she's poisoned. She she doesn't look celebratory. She just looks okay. I've taken control of my life. And it's it's a cool shot. You know, it's moonlight and you see her. She's awake. He's, you know, you know, sawing logs like a weirdo. Throwing up. No, he hasn't started that yet. And 
I, I thought that was a good shot. This is when he leaves on the four day trip. And I, I was thinking this guy, right? Life, life sucked so bad back then. This guy just probably thought this is how life is for me now. He doesn't think he's being poisoned. He's just like, life's hard. I'm going to throw up all the time. Yeah. I got a bug. Like, That's life, yeah. whatever. And he's got to go through it. And he leaves. And this is, he doesn't stop doing his daily routine. He I keeps mean, going. He, he keeps going. Looking throwing terrible. Up and all. Yeah. <laughs> he looked like he's going to drop dead any second. And this is when she decides to to escape. And in movies back then, there's always that wrapping up bread and cheese and cloth that you're taking for the long journey because right. that's the only food that you can take yeah, that's not perishable. Yeah. And she does that. And that's her plan, right? She's just gonna gonna escape. Yeah, to town? She, she's poisoned him for a little bit now, and and because he's you know he's already thrown up, he's very weak, and I think she figures he's gonna die, and he's too weak to chase me, so she loads up her backpack that right. she brought with the only thing she brought with her, with the bread, and takes off on her own. Clearly not dressed for this. We don't even know she knows the way back. Oh, she but she's going for it. She hasn't been given skills, agency over her life. She hasn't been taught. No, Geppetto she, didn't teach her anything. She's just Geppetto's just, a just cute like cute little. Let's wait till Mountain Man comes down and takes you off to a beautiful life of servitude and horror. <laughs> That's it, honey. An indenturement. This is all we can hope for for you. Yep. You, you can't even take over the grain thing. Your sister did it. She died. He'll go. He go. He'll go zero to sixty. So ironically, <laughs> and this is why I thought this was foreshadowing, she ends up in her escape stepping on one of his traps. Traps, right? And, and screams right when he's about to shoot the a wolf. That's the second scream in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. And what's interesting is that's when he doesn't shoot the wolf. And I think, does he have a vision of her being in trouble? She screams and he turns with the gun, like, towards the direction of the scream. So maybe he heard But her. then he goes back, yeah, then he goes back to the house and doesn't find her and doesn't searches the her. whole village, doesn't find her. But then he realizes she's packed up and gone. And then he finds her. Well, the next morning, after she's been laying out all she's night, in, he, in he, he tracks her down and finds her. And, and he, then he tracks here, her, literally and, and, tracks her. Right. So at this point, what do you think a caveman would do? He Leave he, her out there? He would be in a rage that you tried to run away from me. But no. He nurses know. her back to health. He he saves her. He, he, he gets her unhypothermic by hugging her. And, and he puts salve on her crazy frostbitten feet. foot that had been in the trap. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And, and, and he saved her. And I don't know that he'd be mad. I, I think he'd be uh, indifferent that she left. You expect him to be Whatever. in a complete rage. But one thing through this whole movie, he's never he's never hit or beat you know, either of the girls. That's you know, something. He's never, you know, because you you would expect, you'd almost expect yeah. that from this guy. Yeah, that that's interesting. But but not but once. He just seems indifferent he in never, a way. Yeah. He doesn't seem, you know, like he, he, no, he just, wants to procreate and as yeah. effectively as possible um whether they want to or not and well i i have a quick quote here from daniel boone what and this is very appropriate to this <laughs> all you need for happiness is a good gun a good horse and a good wife now i want to point out that linguistically the order in which you state stuff is the order of importance in your life so the order of importance in daniel boone's life who was you know, a caveman of sorts, right? He was a frontiersman, is gun, horse, and wife. Hmm. So our caveman doesn't need a horse because he is the horse. He pulls his own slaves. So gun. But he had a dog at one point. Gun and wife. The wolves the ate him. 
Yeah, the wolves ate it. So, and he does spend an inordinate amount of time with his gun and cleaning his gun. Is all of that still true? What he wants to do. Is that is there a modern parallel to that? Your uh, phone. I would your say laptop. I would say PlayStation phone. Twitter account. <laughs> PlayStation phone and sex for our for our millennials. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he brings her back and he, he nurses her back to health. And this was another surprising turn in that he's successful in helping her. Um, yeah, he brings her back. He says in the spring, you can leave. He, and she says, why? Yeah. He he says, as soon as you're better enough, as soon as you're healed, you can go. You can leave. Yeah. He sets her free. And she says, why? Yeah. Like, like. That was interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I think this is this is the reverse of fortunes here. And then she goes out and she's bawling her eyes out because she realized she's poisoned this man when he would have let her go to begin with. Yeah. And that she didn't she didn't have to commit murder. But we to could get make away. a pretty substantial case that he deserved to be poisoned on some level, right? It's all he knew. <laughs> That's right? True. He I mean, aside from his Lack of social this is skills. A, this is a tough movie. This is, And when we get to the reviews, it's a tough yeah. movie. Because he is a tough protagonist, if you want to even call him that. Yep. To, I mean, is there a protagonist in the movie? Oh, yeah, it's him. You think? He's the lead. Oh, yeah. He's the lead, but is he the hero? Well, if there has to be yeah, yeah, because of all the compassion that he that he does show. And, and you just say, well, this... Right, he offers water. He gets one... He gets wife he, one a mirror. He nur- he nurses both of them back to health. Well, he, the other one died, but I mean he, he takes care of them when they're while, sick. While wife one died, that was a yeah. mess. He he took care of them. He takes care of them while they're sick. Um, he has no social skills. You know, you're here because your dad, because I paid for you, and your dad sold you to me. Yeah. So okay, that doesn't work. It's like he just doesn't understand how that could be offensive you know, or how that yeah. could be not cool. That's just the way it is. And, and and a total lack of foreplay. Yeah. Yeah, not a romance guy. No. Not he, a, he's, he's, not, not, he's, he's not getting cards for Valentine's Day. You're, you're not taking long walks rough. along the mountainside. But you could. He could take her to the cave place with the waterfall. Yeah. Like, just make that switch. Yeah. Be like, could, maybe I should be nicer to these people. Yeah, I could, you know, I could milk goat, milk goats yeah, in the moonlight. Yeah, make goat cheese, make goat goat cheese, goat cheese, <laughs> and a little wine that he gets from that weird bar, the tavern, the two extra bottles. Yeah. But what's what's interesting is she leaves. She just pieces out and she just goes. He he wakes up and she's gone. Yeah, because yeah, he yeah. wakes up to to throw up, yep. and then he looks over and. And that bed was so friggin' small. It's a yeah. Oh my god! Again, terrible life. All <laughs> yeah. of it. He, caveman is all over all you of it. all the time. I mean, it, it's he's better on that wood plank next and that to had a to very just, legitimate fire. That, that had to smell good. You Nothing know, smelled that, good. That bed had then. to smell just. Oh. <laughs> but what he does is he he I, I think tends to his business because he knows he's dying. Does he let the goats go? Yep. He I think he the lets goats the goats out because go. he knows he's he knows he's dying. Yeah. And he puts on his best pirate shirt. Well, he he finds out he finds the twig in the. Yeah, he finds all the the herbs in the in the um, the but tea. Why does he put on that? Fan- he he has this one fancy pirate shirt and yep. he waits till now to put it on. Well, that was his that was his uh, coffin laying on the bed with his gun. Back to the Daniel Boone quote, you know, the most important thing in his life was his gun. And that was that bed. The bed was his coffin. He was just laying there to die. Yeah. Except. Today, when I watched it, guess what I heard? What you heard? 
Yep. While they're droning away, doing the long pan shot away from the front door as we leave him laying in the bed. And the drone keeps, I'm assuming it was shot on a drone and then as in CGI. It gets way far away from the town and right at the very end of it, I hear a distant gunshot. Really? I think he shot himself. I thought it was interesting that they made a point to show that he left the front door open. Yeah. The like, front door is wide open. Yeah, so they would find him, I guess. I don't know. I thought he was just, this is my car. He was just laying there to die and he put on his best digs for it. But I heard a, I heard a very distant gunshot and I think... I think he was done with the pain, yeah. Well, I mean... He did have his finger on the trigger when I he was would. laying there. I mean, why just sit there and wheeze to death? <gasps> yeah. Well, um, his, his organs were clearly shutting down. Yeah, not a good way to go. Well, that was... I, I liked it. That I really was did. skin in the wolf. Well, I liked it. I'm, it was, it I'm was glad, because I was... Really surprisingly, you know, because I, I, I looked ahead and read some of the reviews and some of the obvious things that people talked about. I'm like, oh, I don't want to deal with this, but... Yes, there were actions that he, 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 I mean, the way he objectified, the way everybody objectified the women and they had no agency, they were property. Um, so, but there's other movies that show that that's how things were. Um, and History books. He wasn't, he wasn't as, as, as crazy awful as I would have thought. The cinematography was great. The music was phenomenal. I want to call out um, Paloma Penarubia did the score and i th- it's i think this person's i don't know male or female uh first full length feature that's amazing There's been a lot of short films and commercials maybe but yeah polona penarubia and you think this i don't think the cinematographer could have been his first time it's just too good um it was i, I so did look well at the lit. cinematographer and there wasn't a ton of big stuff wow just all good yeah really talented I mean, people i mean real locations yeah, really be, well right? lit. I mean, maybe the it interior. It looked like film to me, but I don't know. Might have been. Instead of, you know, which is a lot more expensive, too. Well, um, this was good. This was, this was fun. This was this surprised me. Back when at the lunch table when you said this, I'm like, I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> you told me that. Um, You're like, this is, I can't go I'm there. I'm glad to have watched it. And apparently, again, I like this lead actor because we're going to do two more movies with him in it. Mario. And these two movies are are way different than this yeah but all right we'll end with uh some reviews yes all right i won't hit too hard i'm in a good place i'm glad because <laughs> i've read a couple of bad ones myself like this whole you movie did? Are you, but yeah, because eating, of this are you starting to eating and rape <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm like well yeah the, those are factors in the movie um so we'll start with the bad one all right, there uh, we go. This is a one out of ten. <laughs> uh, IMDb, a masterpiece, a gem. No, sorry, this movie makes no sense. Here we go. One of the worst movies I've watched this year. Don't know what movie have watched those that call this masterpiece. <laughs> Wait, all right, I'm going to have to do that again. That's It's precious. Don't know what movie have watched those that call this masterpiece. It's a kind of no-talking movie, like Castaway. But imagine, no Tom Hanks, no plot, and no movie. <laughs> Tom Hanks wasn't in this, ladies and gentlemen. Wilson! <laughs> Wilson! This guy didn't even have a volleyball equivalent of no, Wilson. He, he, I guess Wilson would have been the wife. Give him a ball. You know, it's the wife. She has as much personality and agency as a as a inanimate volleyball. Uh, the 
The only you will see is a good and repulsive Mario Cassis acting. Probably one of his best acting, but in probably one of his worst movies. <laughs> Some reviewers talks about a message or something. I couldn't find any message, but just an empty movie and no plot. I want those two hours back! And if the director made this movie to test the audience's patience, well, I'll like to inform Netflix and the director that I watched this movie till the ending, so I'm officially requesting my prize. <laughs> Man, that's a Monty Doro line if I ever heard one. Uh, a lot of the reviews, I have to say, people were sick at the eating noises, yep. his wheezing, people were physically ill when he ate. Uh, one reviewer said <laughs> that they wished the first wife poisoned him. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be over. And a lot of uh, comparisons to The Revenant. Well, if you... Yeah, I, I love it for its realism, and that's all part of it. <laughs> um, I'm glad I'm not the only one who was repulsed by his mouth sounds and yeah, eating. It, it, you, you had like you had your longest recording ever in, in five episodes. Was it? Now. Oh, yeah, by far. So you you were so repulsed that you were... Well, it was a supercut. You couldn't look away. You, and you, it wasn't all of them. You kept touching the canker Um uh, here's a positive review, and this is titled Acts of Tenderness. Oh, Caveman Compassion. Th- this is not a fancy review. There's a lot of fancy reviews, but I like this one. Here we go. Okay. It is not accurate to call the main character a brute. Acts of Tenderness. He spares the wolf, who sneaks up on him to tell him that something is wrong at home. <laughs> he caresses a small goat. Baby goat. It's a baby goat. He nurses his wife back to help. help. He helps his wife carry her bag up the mountain. Yeah. And then he throws a rope at her head. He prepares breakfast for his wife when he learns that she is pregnant. Yes. He builds not one, but two cribs. There are many more examples. There are. And that's the end of the review. Uh, a lot of people in the positive reviews say use the word masterpiece. Uh, Spanish cinema, praise for the lead actor, that he was a pretty boy in other movies, and he kind of transformed for this, which um, in a later episode, I think you'll see him in a <laughs> later two episodes, probably if I get my ways, you'll you'll see him in two different roles completely. I, I, I'd be happy to watch Mario again twice, twice more. He, he's he, he's good. And, and the, the one I, I'm struggling now because, you know, the, the one I want to do is something I've talked about recently, and the other one is is a longer ago movie, and it's a horror movie actually. Yeah. So I'm well, gonna struggle to figure out which one to do next. It in, won't be independent soon, horror film is so much fun in Spanish. Independent horror movies. Too. We are spending a lot of time in Europe, you and I. Well, next episode may be a change, so I'll be coming back to the states. You never know. Um, but thank you, Todd, for suggesting this movie. This was uh, I. I I was going to go in and say this was a fun watch. It wasn't a fun watch. It was a good watch and a nice suggestion. I liked it. Yeah. I I love the realism, baby. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have any uh, thoughts, questions, suggestions for movies, a little independent podcast at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, any criticisms, uh, be kind, please. We'll take them, (laughs) but be kind. Don't be mean. You can find us on what iTunes and all the other major Hopefully, eventually, yes. Well, all of those. When they're hearing this, yeah. Yes. <laughs> this was very meta, ladies and gentlemen. And, and Ryan? Yes. We will always have 
Monte Doro. Who are those guys? Who are those guys? You'll love it. It's just a little bit.